0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 44 of Two Views Movies Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today we are talking about the newest Mission Impossible movie, Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout. Which is the sixth Mission Impossible movie in the series. Yes. Tom Cruise still going at it. Going strong. Ethan Hunt. Yep. So, the typical letterbox blurb. When an IMF mission ends badly, the world is faced with dire consequences. As Ethan Hunt takes it upon himself to fulfill his original briefing... The CIA began to question his loyalty and his motives. The IMF team find themselves in a race against time, hunted by assassins while trying to prevent a global catastrophe.
1: Can we? I don't think we, we talked about this before, but just the name of the IMF. I know they, they take that from the series mm-hmm. long ago, but what a. What a cocky name <laughs> yeah. for an agency. Yeah. The Impossible it, Missions Force. Yes. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's great, though. It, it is.
0: It, it, it's so much cooler than Central Intelligence Agency. Right. I mean, it just sounds like you're going to be doing cool, stuff.
1: <laughs> doing cool stuff. It's impossible. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's impossible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who I, I read somewhere he's worked with Tom Cruise on nine movies now. But I don't know. He hasn't directed that many, but in terms of directing, he did Rogue Nation, which was the movie right before this in the, right. in the franchise. He did Jack Reacher, and he did The Way of the Gun, which I still have not seen.
1: No? It, no.
0: It's okay. Yeah, somebody asked him on Twitter like why it took him so long to get more directing jobs, and his answer was The Way of the Gun. I guess it wasn't received well.
1: No, the opening scene of that, I think you'd really enjoy. Okay. It has uh Benicio del Toro and Ryan Philippi. Okay. And uh, I remember it vaguely, but I've never seen it. Yeah, the the opening scene is worth watching. Beyond that, it, it's okay. <laughs> it, it was right when uh Ryan Philippi was on his rise, but sure. then he when he cheated on Reese, uh, all Hollywood and everybody disowned him. Blacklisted. Yes. And so he, he was done. Yeah. After that. But That's what James Kahn, I believe, is also Dude. in that. Yeah, okay. Um but yeah, that the opening scene is what (laughs) what i remember from that (laughs) okay so as with every other mission impossible
0: movie it's got a huge cast tom cruise henry cavill's on board this time and we lost jeremy renner who was not in this because he was in jeremy renner was in both four and five and he's not in this one okay he was in five yeah he was okay Simon Pegg, Ving Rames, Rebecca Ferguson, Alec Baldwin, Angela Bassett, Michelle Monaghan, and Sean Harris, who you probably don't
1: know by name, but is the creepy voice guy from Rogue Nation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in this movie, obviously. Yes, and he—so you had the benefit of—you just watched all, all five right before yeah. watching this one. Yes. I don't think I had seen any beyond their release and then their DVD release. So I pro- I've seen them all twice, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen Rogue Nation for two years? Yeah, whenever well, it's released. At least. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot that you caught that I I was still unclear on. Yeah, uh, well,
0: and to be fair, no other Mission Impossible movie – really has ever tied back to any other movie. So you kind of can... It's like the old Bonds before they started with Daniel Craig. Because the Daniel Craig ones, they've started to link them together. But before that, Bond was always like an anthology. Each movie was a new movie. and They're all standalone. Yeah, and that's how all the Mission Impossibles were. I, I do think his wife in Mission Impossible, so Ethan Hunt's wife, she shows up first time in Mission Impossible 3, and I think she shows back up in a uh like a small piece or maybe as a reference in four or five i can't remember but that's the most they've ever done in terms of referencing previous
1: movies she i remember them sitting drinking coffee at the end of road no at the end of ghost protocol and she's walking in the background like ethan's stalking her okay pretty much but he can't go say hi to her yeah but he's pretty much stalking her yes so yeah
0: in fairness The only reason I watched them was because I just wanted to get a sense for ranking because I hadn't watched them all in forever. So when we were watching two as part of one of our retros, (laughs) so I I had just watched one randomly like a week or two before. Then we watched two, and then so I really just had to sprint through three, four, and five before they came on. Right. Going into this, there was a ton of hype for like two Mm -hmm. weeks because for some reason they lifted the embargo and i think they usually do this when a movie is really good because they want the buzz to get there so they lift the review embargo way ahead of time so all the critics who got to see it early start talking about it and this was like two weeks ahead of release date people were talking about how good it was
1: it's unusual typically
0: right and it was really unusual too for a mission impossible movie because i think typically with mission impossible you're like well it's not going to be bad yeah
1: it's not going to be great, but you, you know what you're getting, yeah, it, it's, it's easy going to do an impossible mission, and yeah, and that's it, yep, <laughs> but I will say for me, this one lived up to the hype.
0: I was really, really impressed i and that was going into it being skeptical because of the hype, so I don't know if it kind of worked in a <laughs> counterintuitive <laughs> way or not, but it, I definitely I definitely liked it so the, the first thing that happens is they get told that there is some plutonium on the loose. Yes. And they need to go recover it because it all lays this out in the typical Mission Impossible fashion with the message that's going to self-destruct in five minutes. Five seconds. Seconds. Yeah, five seconds. So they basically lay it all out. The Ethan's team needs to go recover plutonium because after he put away the guy that he put away in number five, that rogue nation, as they call it, splintered. And now they've become the apostles who are still following the guy who he's put away. But they've been threatening nuclear detonation of bombs. And there's this whole anti-religious creed or what's the manifesto that they're that right. they're following. But essentially, they've been told, uh, Ethan and his team, go get the plutonium back by any
1: means necessary. So a couple of things. So the apostles were basically a bunch of IMF agents gone rogue
0: yes because that's what the rogue nation yeah, was. so a
1: bunch of ethan hunts out there
0: well and it wasn't i don't think it was just imf agents i think it was like xcia well, yeah, from, from, mi6 like from all, across the world yeah. yeah
1: but that that scene the where, syndicate sorry the, i'm sorry yeah. the syndicate was what they were called that scene where they it's explaining the mission i thought was the best one they've done in mission impossible because mm-hmm. it laid out everything very clearly it and i don't know if it's because it had a projector and i'm trying to think of the other ones but i thought it walked you through what the mission was going to be. But it, it, I just remember watching it saying, this is done very well. It's very clear. Ethan knows what he's supposed to do. The audience knows what, <laughs> what Ethan's supposed to do. And some of the other ones are pretty confusing or they only give you half of what he's trying to do. I thought this one was very, very clear of his initial mission. I think, uh, rogue nations is very
0: clear. too. Is it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's by the same guy. So that, that's the one where he, goes and picks out, like, a record in the record store and plays it in the booth. But then when it's done, like, the gas comes in. Yeah. So that that one's done really well, too. But this one was done, and I think it helped that it had, like all the infographics and stuff going along with it. And and maybe that was it. Yeah. And then at the very end, it even wrapped it up. It was like, so it told you. (laughs) So in in conclusion, essentially that's what it did. It was (laughs) like, we just need you to get this plutonium. (laughs) Well, there was like three objectives. It was like, find the scientist, get the plutonium and whatever. But it like, it it, it essentially was like paragraph, like what they teach you in high school writing, (laughs) right? Like here's your beginning intro conclusion and your conclusion should wrap up and, you know, put a nice bow on your three points. And that's what
1: it did. So I appreciated that. 'Cause sometimes they they lose you in in that whole mission thing. Yes. And so they they brought it back and it's like, okay, I know what I know what we're trying to do here. Right. And they go off and they try and get the plutonium.
0: And one of the key elements that happens here is that Luther, played by Ving Rames, gets caught by one of the bad guys and yeah, you know, held hostage. Yeah. Know? And they basically say, Ethan, you've got to throw over the plutonium. We're killing Luther. Typical movie fashion. Luther's like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Kill me. Yeah. yeah so Ethan shoots Luther, but knowing that he has a bulletproof vest on and in the scuttlebutt, uh, Ethan loses the plutonium. So he gets in trouble by his superiors because he put his team so the life of one over millions over the life of millions. Cause now the plutonium's out in the wild and they have to, you know, go track it down again,
1: which becomes a theme throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah. The one versus
0: the, the million. million. Yes. That whole theme does. And I think they did a good job of that. Cause again, it's not something that you get in a mission impossible movie. It's really just typically it's Tom besides mission impossible three, that one did a really good job of making him, human. It gave him a wife and had, he used to train people and he loses one of his trainees. It's, it's the only other time outside of this movie, they made him not some kind of Avenger force, type yeah. of superhero who you never worry is going to. And that was JJ J. Abrams, right? Yeah. Three was JJ J. Abrams. So <laughs> then we get into like the first kind of twist. It was funny. My son watched this movie and he'd never seen any other mission impossibles. And afterwards he looked at me and he's like, are they always trying to do all these different twists in mission impossibles? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that you know, that's kind of their thing. But they end up capturing this scientist who had written the, this big manifesto that the apostles are following. And we don't know this as we're watching it. We think that, you know, it cuts to a CNN thing where nuclear bombs have gone off in Mecca, Rome, and Jerusalem. And, yeah, the Vatican, yeah. 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 And uh, the the guy that they've captured is in a hospital and they they fake him out right and make him think that he's been in there for two <laughs> weeks whatever and, and the one thing that I thought was fun, kind of funny was like they're trying to barter with this guy and he doesn't know what's all happened They're like well if we can get wolf blitzer to read your manifesto right. on the tv <laughs> will that will that satisfy you will you help us out and he's like yeah because once the manifesto is read everybody will follow it and they've got this big agenda so you know ethan doesn't want to do it but he makes the call and Wolf Blitzer reads the manifesto. And so then the guy gives him his access to his decrypted device because he thinks game over. It doesn't it matter, matter now. Right. And then, <laughs> and then Benji walks in and it's a, he's wearing his Wolf Blitzer mask. But I actually thought that was really funny that I, at first I was like, oh, wow. You know, Mission Impossible actually had the bombs go off. Like we're living in a Mission Impossible world now where stuff actually happened. You you actually thought that? Uh, I mean, for a minute. See, I, well, because the other reason why I thought it was because it was called Fallout. So I thought there was like a double entendre uh, where it's like,
1: you know. See, I mean, clearly when Ethan's trying to kill the guy in the hospital bed, you know, and everything seemed like, okay, we've seen this, what, three times? At least that I remember before of they fake out the person, which, again, is Mission Impossible. And I want them to do that. And I want the audience, I mean, the audience knows that that's going on. I, th- I thought I thought it was fairly obvious that those bombs didn't go off. They're trying to trick this guy to get into his passcode. And you know, I was fairly certain Wolf Blitzer wasn't in, in the IMF. You know, and so Right. <laughs> and so I figured the mask was gonna come off. Well, no, once Wolf
0: Blitzer walked in, I knew it was I knew it was fake. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm saying when he was reading on the TV. Okay. Yeah, but that's actually the one thing that kind of tripped me too, because he made the call and then they immediately handed him the <laughs> script I was like, Well, that's a little convenient. So I was He's, like, Okay, I have it just, right here typed yeah. up for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
1: So but yeah, they, they do that and I I liked that they did that because that's more Mission Impossible to me. Yeah. And I don't know if that's from the TV shows that I've seen like two of when I was a, a kid. You know, the, the 70s? Was it? Even before I, I that maybe? It was before our time. But they weren't these bond, big Bond action stuff uh, which they've turned into. Now, I like that side too but I, I like that they still have their roots in Mission Impossible masks and let's try to outsmart the villain first. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I did like that, but I was definitely on the same page with Ethan and Ving Rhames. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: I was being gullible. I guess <laughs> I, I do genuinely think it had a lot to do with the title because when it was called Fallout, and I kept thinking nuclear fallout already, I was like, okay, well maybe they live in a world now where that happened.
1: Yeah, and I I didn't even it didn't even dawn on me <laughs> to think of of that.
0: Yeah. So the other thing that them losing the plutonium brings into play is that now the CIA is pissed at the IMF for losing yeah, for, losing, for the, losing the plutonium, which that brings in Angela Bassett, who I think is the director of the CIA and her and Alec Baldwin, who's the secretary of the IMF. They get into it. And right before Ethan can go start on their next plan of tracking down how to get the plutonium, they, you know, they're stopped on the runway by Angela Bassett and Henry Cavill, who's her right hand man and who they cleverly sneak in a few references to the fact that everybody that he tries to track down in the syndicate or have the apostles dies dies cuz he he kills them all that that's his style his it's not to get information from them it's to kill right and then that leads to our, like i think our first really big stunt <laughs> of mission impossible right which is that him and henry cavill jumping out of the plane at like 30,000 feet
1: and this is henry cavill with mustache right Let, let's not the justice oh, league oh, oh, ruiner yes but he looks phenomenal with his mustache <laughs> I mean, I, I would sign off on every role that he ever has from here on out with Stash, including Superman. You know, <laughs> they so should have just done it for they, Superman they, they should for have just League. Yeah, you know, we brought him back to life. His hair continued to grow when he was dead. Yeah, you know, and and there he is with with Stash. Yeah, I, was, I
0: mean, it couldn't have been too hard to do the bearded Superman because I mean, it's not just a mustache. He's got
1: some stubble some there. Stubble, yeah. I mean, it could it'd be easier to add a beard than to erase the mustache. Do you
0: think WB was secretly wanting? mission impossible to suck after what happened oh, with the justice uh, uh, league you know you, you know
1: they went like screw you right <laughs> you made our movie suck <laughs> instead it, it's, it's the best movie of the summer <laughs> that's so awesome but, so, yeah. but yes they jump out of a plane
0: yeah and again that was the first time where i was like i can tell this is not cgi how are they filming this because it's a really intricate scene it's not just jumping out of an airplane there's the fact that they're jumping out at like an, a ridiculous height and they have oxygen tanks, through a
1: thunderstorm, through a thunderstorm.
0: And, you know, Henry Cavill gets knocked out and his oxygen tank fails. So Tom Cruise has got to go over there and fix his before they both land. And again, you know, you watch this, I'm just like, my God, how did they, how did they film this? But it, it goes a long way too with practical effects. Cause I get so tired of CGI everything. I so agree. when I see something with practical, I'm just like that, that's so much better. Cause even Mission Impossible has been guilty of this. If you go back and watch, I think it's Ghost Protocol where I think the Kremlin blows up. There's a scene where Tom Cruise is running from the exploding Kremlin, and it is horrible CGI. Yeah. It's fake dust, fake smoke. It it just looks like he's running in front of a green screen. And sorry, Tom, you don't get credit for doing your own stunts when you're running in front of a green screen. Now but I, but he did that. He did that himself. <laughs> I know I know he does more than that, but it takes away, you know, Mission Impossible movies try and sell you on the mystique of what is the next big thing Tom Cruise is doing. Right. And when you watch it in front of a green screen, just it, it felt really lame. Rogue Nation stuck out to me as some really bad CGI in that movie.
1: Rogue so, Nation or Ghost oh, Protocol? Sorry, Ghost Protocol. Yeah.
0: I, those two are like I picture that the covers in my head and they get switched around. But yeah, yeah I, I meant to say Ghost Protocol. This is where the plot gets a little I don't even know if we're going to be able to do it any justice, but the whole reason that Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill are going skydiving into this place is because they need to track down a intermediary who's trying to buy the plutonium, but nobody knows what he looks like. They know he's American,
1: I think, is what their intel had said in the beginning. And they have his phone so they can track his phone.
0: Well, no, they, they have. <laughs> no. So he's going to this exclusive party. And he's wearing a in order to get into this exclusive party, you have to have a wristband that is uniquely coded for you. And they have they happen to know what his is coded at somehow. So their phones
1: tell him tell them where Where he is. Yes. Yeah, so I, where he is. I, I missed that completely. I thought they got his they tracked his phone from the the fake out scene that they got from the doctor. And so that's how they knew but well, what what you're describing, I have no idea. I don't remember that at all. Yeah.
0: Well, the the <laughs> phone gave them, I think, all all the information to start going. Maybe that's how they got what his uh you know thing would be. But when they've got the phones that have the little sensor indicators that show where he's going, yeah, it's keying off of that RF. His little bracelet. Th- yeah, little bracelet. Because okay. When they finally go in and beat the guy up in the bathroom. Tom Cruise takes that band and he's like, well, we got to hope they don't know what he looks like. And I'm going to go in and poses him, but he was going to get in through his band. Right. So sandwiched in between what I just said (laughs) is, is the bathroom fight, which we've all seen the trailers. It's the one where
1: Henry Cavill loads, (laughs) loads his arms. arms. Now I thought from the trailers, it was him just destroying whoever it is, who he was fighting. You know, it looked like Henry was, was winning and just beating up a bunch of guys. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, and Maybe that was me projecting what I think was going to happen. But instead, it's this... Is it Lang? Lane? Who's the bad guy? Solomon Lane. The, the main bad guy? No, the one that he was protect, pretending Lark. to be. Lark. Yeah. Lark. So they find Lark in the bathroom, and both him and both Henry Cavill and Ethan Hunt attack attack this guy who kicks the crap out of both of them. <laughs> yeah. is <laughs> you know, one of the better... Better fight scenes that that I've seen. uh, It it was done really well. Yeah, it was. Um, Reminded me a lot of True Lies. (laughs) Well, because it's in the bathroom. And it looked (laughs) like the same bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. It had the double double side. Yeah,
0: I didn't think about that. That fight scene was really good, and I'm glad that there was more to it than what was shown in the trailers. Like I was glad that it wasn't just like a quick fight and it was over. Yeah, no, I agree. So the other thing that happens in that scene is Ilsa Faust comes back, right? She's in... Rogue Nation. Yes. And now she makes her way back, which we knew she was going to come back because they showed that in the trailer, but she makes her entrance in that scene by basically saving them because the guy was beating the crap out of both
1: Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise. And he was about to kill Ethan Hunt. Yes. And Mm -hmm. uh, she shoots Clark. Yep. Kills him. She she shoots him. In the face.
0: Yeah. Which, and... Yeah, that was a problem, and Henry Cavill messed up because he bashed the guy in the head with a computer that was supposed to be used to make the mask. To make the mask. (laughs) Yeah, That that was good, too. yeah. Yeah, so everything's going wrong in this. So that's why Tom Cruise then has to pretend to be Lark and say that, well, let's just hope that they've never met each other, which that is also a redo of Mission Impossible 4. And one. Oh, yeah, where he has to, Yeah. That yeah. happens in that one too. When he's he's Job, yeah. But in four, they do it where there's two people meeting in the hotel that they're staying at, and he's like, "I got we got to hope that they've never met each other," right? Which of course, I mean, there's going to be some redundancy in Mission Impossible, but yeah, I, I at this point, I'm I'm liking everything that Mission Impossible is is mm-hmm. throwing at us,
1: and and I liked the the bathroom scene when he did hit him with the computer, and then she did shoot him. It was kind of you could see. Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt's face, of this is kind of why I work alone because you guys are screwing up the whole plan. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wouldn't have bashed the computer against the guy's face and I wouldn't have shot him in the face because I can't, I can't steal his face if, if I can't use the computer to take it. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't have a face left, too. Would you, <laughs> you know? right. And so, and so he just, he walked in there, which better for the movie because he could be Tom Cruise yeah. for the whole movie. Right. But, but yeah. Yeah. So the, the
0: interesting thing with this, Was that now that Tom Cruise has to impersonate this guy, he gets stuck impersonating this guy. So he has to go meet with the White Widow, I think was her name. Yes. Who was supposed to meet with Lark to do the transaction on the Plutonium. Plutonium. So now he's meeting with her and after the party where they fight off a bunch of people and stuff. And there's a nod to Mission Impossible 1 there too because she says that she's – her mom's name was Max, which you just said was from Mission Impossible, which I don't know that most people would get, but it was
1: there. Right. Right and they didn't revisit that and i'm and i thought ethan would would have brought that up at some point yeah but it, they they left it right there yeah they yeah. did
0: so as they're talking he figures out so she doesn't know who lark is so he's in the clear with that but what they find out is that he's not paying for the plutonium he has to break out solomon lane in order to exchange him for the plutonium which is you know the guy he put away as part of the syndicate in the last movie so things are starting to kind of snowball And even worse, they say that they're going to have to basically bust Solomon Lane out of a police transit, and their plan is to kill all the cops to do it. And, of course, that
1: puts Ethan in a conundrum because he doesn't want to go killing cops. Well, Also, and and Lane knows what ethan hunt looks like <laughs> yeah right and so that was gonna be a problem yes In he the,
0: can't just show up and be a part of the team and break him out because lane would be like yeah you're ethan hunt, hunt. you arrested me <laughs> right
1: you know that, that's and so they were trying to work through that whole thing yeah. yeah
0: but that so that whole breakout scene of lane where they have to get him out and then that turns into tom cruise having to run through paris on then then he drive on a motorcycle and run on roofs like that that's mm-hmm. like a it felt like a 25 minute action scene. just act straight action yeah and it was well done i mean it was well shot the music was great everything about it was awesome and then at no time was there any cgi so everything was just one after the other just intensity non-stop going and you didn't quite know what was going to happen how they're going to pull it off because you knew tom cruise didn't want to go with the plan that they had laid out of killing everybody. And so murdering you, all the cops. Yeah, yeah, so you knew he had like an, an ulterior motive or a different plan, but you didn't know what it was. So you were kind of wondering, okay, is he going to get caught, or what's his plan? And so there's a whole bunch of different things going on all at the same time, but it plays out in just a massive action sequence that is phenomenal.
1: Before they they do the plan, they show the they show the plan without describing it, which shows... I'm not doing a very ex- good job of <laughs> describing this. So usually when you know you narrate the plan, this is what we're going to do, they showed it as if that's really what they're doing right yeah. now. And so they showed them murdering all the cops, and then one was still alive, and they, they were basically forcing Ethan to shoot this cop in the face. Yeah. And then it cut, and Ethan's like, no, we can't do it that way. So, so <laughs> right. it was kind of a fake out yes. on that side. And I, and I did read that uh, the director and, and Tom Cruise both wanted – Ethan to have to be uh Lark like that I read was that too. That was going to be, it was going to be a lot longer and darker. It was going to be a lot darker yeah. because Ethan was going to have to do things that he didn't want to do to convince them all that he was Lark in order to get this plutonium but then they they kind of reworked it and changed it to the one life or a million and that would have been yeah conflicting you know with that theme that they decided to lighten it up but yeah. but I thought that was interesting and I, and I was wondering if that scene that they had filmed was for the original idea oh, you right. know, of, of him shooting that <laughs> yeah. cop and making him do that right but that would have been a very different movie of watching Ethan have to do these things uh, a bad agent would do, <laughs> right? Know, just to convince them to keep his cover, and I thought that was very interesting when when I read that after the fact.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I thought so too. I was I was kind of surprised that they would consider going darker with it. That's definitely not the tone that, and, and Tom Cruise is totally on board with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, let, let's do something completely different, <laughs> right? Well, it, so now's probably a good time to talk a little bit about this. But like going into this movie, there was a bunch of comparisons to The Dark Knight. And I was like, well, I doubt it. But the more I watched the movie, the more I thought about it, like there's some elements there that are very similar to it. And and this scene stuck out to me for a lot of different reasons that as being comparable to Dark Knight. One was um, you're breaking somebody out of a cop van, essentially, which is exactly what happens in the Dark Knight when the Joker is trying to break out two-face or harvey at the time out of the back and they do it by diverting (laughs) a police escort down off of a ramp into a lower level area the music i've listened to the soundtrack or i should say the score um for the last few days after that it is almost straight from the dark knight or the dark knight rises and i actually read that it's because the guy who did the score for this was like a protege or whatever of hans zimmer which is the guy that did the dark knight rises score. So there's all these different reasons why that's all kind of stacking up, but that scene in particular and with the practical effects in that scene, that one felt very, very Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises to me. So I don't think it's like, I wouldn't say that this movie like is the groundbreaking movie or as good as what Dark Knight is, but I could see why somebody would make that comparison.
1: Yeah, and I consider myself pretty fluent in The Dark Knight. And mm-hmm. that didn't, and I hadn't read any of that prior to watching the movie, and I didn't get that at all. Like I, I didn't make that that comparison the entire time I was watching, and I'm even having a hard time. Oh, I don't. Now, see- uh, other than they happen to be breaking somebody out of a
0: right, but they, but the way they route them down, and it's a, a way for them to break the guy out of the back of a police van. I mean, that those are just superficial, but they are very much like straight out of The Dark Knight. And then, like I said, the score was not helping at all because it was just. Step for step. In and and Ethan's afraid of bats. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that was one of the scenes. There's a couple other things that the movie does that reminds me of The Dark Knight, but that was, or The Dark Knight Rises, I should say, one of those two movies. But that that one in particular, that scene obviously jumped out for self-explanatory reasons. Hmm. But coming full circle on what you're saying about the one versus a million, because that came up at the beginning with being Rames, and it came up again when Ethan was... I guess, daydreaming about how the heist was going to go. Right. But it comes back up at the end of the heist or towards the end of the heist, because when he, him and Benji and Ving Rames are getting ready to get in the car with the Solomon Lane, who they've now broken out and captured. <laughs> that
1: was a good scene too. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: a cop is trying to confront them.
1: And she's like, she's almost like a meter maid. Yeah. You could with tell with she's, a gun. Yeah. Out of could, her she, element. She was, she was writing a ticket for the yeah. car across the street. And
0: I actually thought Henry Cavill was going to shoot her right. at the time. But basically the other goons from the white widow show up and shoot the cop and Ethan kills all them, kills all them, which is going to put him in more trouble because the white widow is going to know that probably that he killed her. So he, he basically risks some things to save
1: this cops, this one cop's life.
0: Right. But it's
1: it's that theme coming back up again. I did like that that scene because they all freeze and it's like nobody knows. What they're, like they're they're halfway <laughs> yeah. in the car and then she doesn't know what to do and they all just kind of <laughs> yeah. And and there, there's a scene from another movie that I couldn't put. But I was like that that's what it it reminds me of of you're halfway caught on something and everyone just kind of standing there like, well, what do we do? Yeah. And, and I couldn't quite place it and I still can't place it, you know, but it, it was just, <laughs> I, just thought, <laughs> I was like, like, that's a great scene. Everyone just kind of looking at each other. Like, right. Well, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, that
0: was good. So it also makes me think that we skipped one little piece of stuff, which is that before somewhere along the line, I can't really remember exactly when or where it happened. It would, it would have been after the bathroom fight and mm-hmm. he meets the white widow Henry Cavill goes back and meets with Angela Bassett right and gives him or sorry gives her what he says is John Lark's phone. And the way we know how and why this scene goes down is that we saw John Lark's phone in the bathroom fight get busted right. with a broken screen and then the phone that he gives to Angela Bassett saying that it's John Lark's phone and he's also telling her at the time that Ethan Hunt is John Lark. He thinks that he's the undercover and here's all the evidence for double agent. Yeah. Yeah. He basically says, Ethan is John Lark. He's a double agent and here's all the evidence that proves it. And he gives her a phone that is not broken. So the audience knows right then and there, and this is in like the first 30 minutes of the movie that Henry Cavill is no good and he's bad. Right. So the reason why we thought that one, you kind of think he might shoot that cop because he's talked about how he's shoot first kind of guy. Right. But then also because he's a bad guy anyway. Right. So there was a lot of different reasons why we thought Henry Cavill was going to shoot the cop.
1: Yeah, and on and on that note, I and we we had talked about this before, and I really wish they hadn't have done that. I really wish they hadn't have made Henry bad. You know, I think I've almost had enough enough of that. Of one of these guys is going to flip and be a double agent, and that's just annoying. I would have liked to have more of a buddy cop of CIA guy, IMF guy. You have different styles, sure, and you may butt heads, but you do it together, right? T- type of thing. You just wanted Henry Cavill to stick around in the I, franchise. I, I, I did, I did, but but it's also and there's a couple other movies that we've recently seen that did this exact same thing, and. It's like okay, I'm just waiting for for him to flip. Yeah, and so I wanted them to surprise me by not flipping him. Like, like that that would have been the the big reveal is oh he's not evil. You know, <laughs> right. As right now it's, you just you just expect that to happen. And when they did, I was like, gosh, again. You know, it's like I can't. Like that's, that is not a a reveal. That is not scary. It's scary. It's, it's not good. Right. No one's being shocked by this. And your point is they did it so early in the movie. That it wasn't a big reveal later on, and and yes, I agree that it's like oh my gosh, you know, at the very end he he shoots Ethan instead of the bad guy. And I'm, yes, I'm glad they didn't do that. Also, but I was just I was just disappointed that this is again we have a setup. He's supposed to be a good guy, and he's a double agent. Uh. Yeah, but we talked about this in the preview that the trailer kind of led you to believe he was going to be a bad guy. I mean, yeah, they, he was in the helicopter shooting at yeah. Ethan, and you're you're saying oh maybe that's them tra- faking you out, which they could have been. Yeah, but. It wasn't. Right.
0: But I mean, but they were, <laughs> so they were, in all honesty, they were very upfront about the fact that, I mean, in the trailer, they even say, I'm the guy who's being, like, not paid, but I'm assigned to kill
1: you if anything goes wrong. Yeah, so, but, it, but it was it was a business thing. Because yeah, that was his job of, if you went derail, and, and I was okay with them being at odds, but, but him still doing his job. I didn't need him this double agent
0: yeah stuff again i, I can understand that there's only i think there's only just so many places to go with spy movies and i like like you mentioned that i had said i, I do credit this movie with at least just let's get it out in the open now the characters didn't know yeah just, the, until just, the end just we knew but yeah. we knew and i was fine with that like let's just let, let's get it all out on the table so then we can just enjoy the rest of the movie and now it's not is he or isn't he going to be bad or good it's going to be how's he going to get caught Kind right. of thing. it changes the question a little bit but it's enough of a question where you
1: and, know and to me which again love love the actor uh, I love the character you know even he's a shoot first you know it's like they're building him up as this uh, basically a polar opposite of of Ethan which i was fine with. i was like these these two working together just differently i thought that would have been a great you know just continue that on throughout the whole movie you can kill him off later i, I, I don't care but keep him on the good side yeah and so that so that that t- took away from it a little bit because, you know, the the other bad guy. meh. I mean, from Rogue Nation, I wasn't sold on him as a a big baddie, but I was okay with it. I was like, just just keep him as the bad guy. And
0: you mean Solomon Lane?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's
0: he's one of those intellectual bad guys. Right. He's never an intimidating bad guy, right?
1: But so that was, and like you said, we, we just found out that he was a he was the bad guy, and so now we're. Now we're just waiting for for Henry to betray them all. Right. One one way or another. Yeah. And so when he, I guess,
0: finally does, it's after they've kidnapped Solomon Lane and they're trying to do the exchange for Solomon Lane. And this is where, again, typical Mission Impossible style, right? Like everything starts getting crisscrossed and crazy because Alec Baldwin shows up and he's like, are you really going to give away Solomon Lane to get the plutonium back and they're like no, and it's gonna be Benji in a mask. Right. <laughs> Benji's got some
1: good lines during the whole scene, <laughs> but essentially they but, put Benji. Well, in. The, the best of that is why can't Ving Rames do oh, it? Oh yeah. yeah, and then he look he looks at <laughs> yeah. Ving Rames and he looks at Ving, he's like, oh, okay, I get it. A, a, a giant black guy couldn't pass us, right? So. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so they they put Benji in a mask and you know set up a camera they're supposed to watch Solomon Lane. And the idea is that they're gonna send Benji out as solomon lane to do the exchange the wild card and all this is that in the meantime while they were breaking out solomon lane ethan learned that ilsa faust is out to kill solomon lane because that's the only way she can get her life back because mi6 doesn't trust her anymore and they need her to prove her value by killing solomon lane so you have ethan who just broke out solomon lane trying to trade him for plutonium while ilsa faust is trying to kill solomon lane right and then you add in the mix that Ethan uh not Ethan, Alec Baldwin shows up and starts to, you know, shut the mission down because Angela Bassett has told him to. I mean, all this stuff is getting all clustered up in this one little dungeon area right. of typical. The sewer stuff. Of, yeah. It actually st- I'm making it sound more confusing than what it's hard to explain it, but in the movie it's actually pretty clear, clear. what's going on. Um but the big twist that happens there is Henry Cavill thinks that benji dressed up as solomon lane god this is so hard to explain in a podcast good (laughs) jesus but essentially they fool henry cavill he thinks the real solomon lane is staying behind Um, while
1: and then he's basically he monologues you know yes the, yeah he, i'm the bad guy this is what we've been doing and we agree and then
0: well he's he's breaking solomon lane out and he's getting pissed at solomon lane because right. you know it, but benji's the one really prodding him to get some of those answers out because he's being difficult and then henry realizes oh crap
1: you've been wearing a rubber yeah, mask you've been
0: wearing a mask so he pulls the mask off it's benji and then oh the imf team walks back in <laughs> <laughs> gotcha zing yes um <laughs> But then it's like a Which that was a good one. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Um, but then there's like the double gotcha because the CIA troops come in to shut everything down still. Right. But Henry Cavill owns some of those CIA bad guys. Right. And so there's this big crossfire. Alec Baldwin dies. Henry Cavill, who we now know is Lark, the real Lark, escapes, but not before he got put with Lane. With Lane. Yeah. And now the IMF team is off and running again to go <laughs> chase them because now they have the plutonium. And, and Lane. Lane, and they're gonna yeah. build the bombs and set everything off.
1: Wow. <laughs> Mission <laughs> well, <laughs> Mission Impossible should have that all right. of that going on,
0: but like it sucks because I feel like in order to talk about it and what we liked about it, we have to kind of explain where we're at. Right? right. It's so hard to explain the Mission Impossible movie. It it sounds <laughs> grueling when I'm talking about it, but it was it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And it was. Oh, by the way, movie. he's
1: also wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. How hard is it to talk about the real Solomon Lane versus Benji wearing a Solomon Lane mask and the yeah. pretending to be? Yeah. It, it's a nightmare. I, I think. I mean really from there I uh, it just goes into the you know they they go out to man where is it it's Kashmir yes and they go out because that's where he's going to put Solomon Lane's going to put the nuclear bombs because if he detonates them it ruins all the fresh water in that whole India Pakistan China
1: region and kills billions
0: yeah and obviously as soon as he said that it's located at a uh, medical camp where they had released smallpox before. It's like, I remembered that his wife was a nurse from mission impossible three. I'm like, yep. That his wife's going to be there because that was Solomon Lane's plan was he wanted to do this, but he wanted revenge on Ethan hunt as well.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So this is where I'm going to, I'm going to pause a little bit. Yeah, good. Cause I could use a breather just in general <laughs> mentally. So we met Ethan's wife in mission impossible three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, when they when Rogue Nation came out, and they hired Rebecca to be the love interest,
0: yeah. So the girl that plays Ilsa Faust. Ilsa Faust. Mm-hmm.
1: It took me about half the movie to realize that wasn't his wife because those two look identical. No, they don't. Oh, they, they look. They could be twins. Oh, and, I don't. Think and so I'm sitting there, and then Ethan's not.
0: One's redheaded and one's brunette. I mean, the first starters. That's they're not red. She's not redheaded. Yeah, she is. Ilsa Faust. Are you yeah. kidding me? No, she, she's redheaded.
1: No, no, and I'll, I'll prove you that wrong here in a, in a few. <laughs> okay. However, so so it took me because again, it had been two years since Ghost Protocol, and then two years, at least two years prior to Mission Impossible Three. And so, watching Rogue Nation, I'm like, "Gosh, why?" I thought his wife was breaking him out, and all of a sudden, she's this IMF agent, you know. And mm-hmm. then it took me a while to realize, okay, that's a different actress and so they had some flashbacks of wedding scenes and i thought it was ilsa Faust. oh in those wedding scenes yeah not no. his wife from mission <laughs> impossible three right no and so we get to this end scene and then there's his wife and Elsa. And i'm like what the heck because and so the only difference that, that i noticed between the two of them is uh his wife has uh thicker darker eyebrows and so – and then – because at the end, they, they put them in the same scene together, and I'm like – it lo- it's like they're looking in a mirror. I don't and, I don't see it. And so the thing that was going through my head was Ethan Hunt definitely has a type. You know, he, he right. <laughs> fell for this one, fell for this one. They look so much alike that it, it's so hard to discern who is who from, again, my, my different span. Now, had I watched them all straight through, I'm sure I could have – well, picked him my apart. son
0: has never seen any of them. He didn't have that problem.
1: He didn't, but he had never seen
0: her before. Well, right. But, but you, had he seen three? Well, but if you, he's no, he has no context. So if he's, if he would have seen this movie for the first time, he, he would think that they were two of the same people. I mean, if you're saying that they look so much alike, then somebody who has no context for them. But would, we didn't
1: even see her to the end. I guess we saw her in the the wedding. Saw so in the beginning, and there's a few pictures
0: throughout where they show her because they're like because Henry Cavill has that picture of her that he lays down.
1: Yeah, they they're mirror images. Whoever, I whoever I casted think... Elsa, <laughs> I, I was like, that's too close. You know, I, know, I have now. Not... I thought she okay. The thing about Elsa though is she had a one quick scene in the initial scene with the White Widow where she jumped on the guy and disarmed him mm-hmm. and and it was like lightning fast and truly badass that I wanted to see her fight more. But like she just she just did it real quick and disarmed one guy and then they moved on to follow Ethan and I was like like she's pretty cool. That she's yeah. badass in her her fight scenes. Well,
0: she had the famous scene in Rogue Nation where she's wearing the yellow dress at the opera house and trying to assassinate one of the guys and there's like this crossfire going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I slightly remember. Yeah. I need, need to, I, just, I need to watch that again. <laughs> I don't it, think they look. Uh, no, like, they, they will, we'll post them both. Um, <laughs> and put them next to each other. You can, I, I have, I read about the movie and I haven't heard anybody really say they have any issues. Oh, I thought they were, I didn't, and I, I remember thinking that watching rogue nation of what, why does his wife know how to fight like this? You know, all of a sudden that she's been training for the past two years and, and now she's, yeah. So that, I think
0: you might be on your own on that one. No, I'm, I'm right on and I still stand by the fact that she's got some red hair
1: which one Elsa yeah oh yeah
0: I know in Greatest Showman she does now whether it's just slightly red now I don't know but she she definitely has a reddish hue to it it's not it's not full-blown red like um uh Game of, like Game of Thrones but it, she definitely had some red red tint to her hair for sure I mean, I'm I'm showing you a picture of well, her right now. I mean, and it's when, clearly brown. Women do change the color as, of their hair; it's not unheard as of. As is her eyebrows. I believe it had a reddish hue. But anyway, enough <laughs> about that. So we the we, twins, the twins. <laughs> enough yeah. about them. So we get to the the end where Solomon Lane is hidden the bombs at this base camp, right. where Ethan's, I guess, ex-wife kind of is. And he wants to detonate them. And that basically, the the one thing that was kind of a little bit kind of dumb, Mission Impossible, was how they have to disarm. I couldn't think of the word. How they have to disarm the bomb. Like, Benji just magically knows it because he looked at the schematics on the guy's phone. And you have to do it by taking the key out of the detonator, which is tied to a remote. But then once you do that, you have to take the key out and then cut the wires.
1: At the same time. Yeah. But you can't cut the wires before the key's out or they <sighs> both detonate. Yes. And you can't cut one without the other one because then they both detonate. Yeah. Right.
0: It, it was it was a bit much. I was like, okay, whatever. So then the, it becomes they're trying to find the bombs. They get there. They they find the bombs, but then Ethan's got to find the detonator. Henry Cavill's got the detonator. So Ethan runs off in the helicopter chase with Henry Cavill because he's got to get the key out of the, deton- the detonator while wow. Benji and Ilsa and Ving Rames get Solomon Lane in the bombs right <laughs> <laughs> my god so much to get through so much but the the big the big takeaways here are the helicopter chase with ethan hunt and lark which is henry cavill and then what's going on back at the stage so i thought the helicopter chase was actually a little disappointing for me i mean i could clearly tell that it was again practical effects and shot well but it, w- it was it kind of edited a little choppy there was a lot of jumping back and forth between which helicopter and point of view. And then there was also jumping back to Ilsa trying to fight Solomon Lane and Benji trying to find the nukes. And it was just a lot of back and forth. And I've made this comment in other movies that we've talked about that I like it when they just stay with one thing. Right. I know bouncing back line. and forth can kind of work and build up some tension. But like when it's a really cool scene, I just want to see the really cool scene. Yeah. But I mean, I get it. They have to kind of show you that the tension is that two things are happening at once. So I mean, that's what you got to do, I guess.
1: And when he had the payload uh, that he was going to drop it on the other helicopter, yeah, I thought he was just going to ram it with, with the other helicopter, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that would have taken them both down in the scene that we see in the trailer. Yeah. Um, but I kind of liked that they he dropped it and he missed. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought and, I liked that too. You know, and so I was like, he, he tried to hit the other helicopter with this big payload, and and Ethan missed. Ethan doesn't ever miss, right. you, you know, and so so that was good. But I didn't know how they were going to bring them both down without him. I get, just had to ram him. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I guess.
0: And and that was really, that whole helicopter scene. So once he decides to ram him, that was really the one time, and all the things that Mission Impossible does, is the one time where I was like, oh, man, you're going a little too far. Because like, he rams them, and then they both fall. And then one rolls down the hill, mm-hmm. and one helicopter hits the other one. And then they...
1: It wedged between two yeah, mountains. It, it slides
0: down between a mountain, and they stick. And then Ethan drops from one helicopter to the other, and, and the hook is holding him. there. There's just a lot going on where it's like
1: the the hook the hook is where I had the most problem, yeah, that uh it hook, hooked one rock, yes. and then and it's perfectly, holding up- it's holding up two helicopters, yeah. and then it it unhooked and then it, met, it hooked again, and, you know <laughs> yes. and i i i can right. I can believe it caught one rock right, you know, and then it hits two rocks exactly the same like that, yeah, it's like okay, and he didn't even need it, you know i mean that, that's how you got rid of Henry. But you didn't even need that to be doing that. No.
0: And and that's what I meant by like it was the one scene where it's just like it was already a bit much. And then they went like four more a bit much with like the hanging on the rock and yeah. all this other stuff. And then at least it turns into a good old fist fight um, right. at the end. But I kind of wondered why Henry Cavill just didn't kick the remote off the edge of the mountain.
1: I don't think he knew how to disarm it. Okay. Like that was the way to discover. Okay. It. Yeah, because they did say it was like a flaw in the operating system or something yeah, like that. Yeah, why would he know but that? But you would
0: still think that like you wouldn't want to risk Ethan taking the key out. I mean, unless he thought but if he breaks timer, the remote. But the timer was already on? <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, to, to me it was he didn't realize that this was important. Yeah. And so that's why he didn't care so much. Right. So that, that's how I how I took it. Yeah. It's not like he needed to push the button in order for <laughs> True. it to, to – It's not – you get this far away, then you push the button, and, and he's trying to and he's not, you know, type of thing. Yeah. But, no, so I, I was okay with that part just because Henry had no – why would he know that that was the way to do it? Sure.
0: But, yeah, that the whole scene was just a bit much for me. I did like the other scene that was going on, which was – uh, his wife, Ethan's wife, working with Ving to disable the one bomb while right. Benji and Ilsa are trying to fight Solomon Lane, and Benji's almost dying, and there's a lot going on. There, there is. There but is. I genuinely thought somebody was going to maybe die. Like, I didn't think the bombs would go off In, necessarily. And billions. Yeah, yes. but I I thought that Benji might die, or I thought somebody might
1: get got. Get got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Henry got got. Yeah, and after he
0: became Henry Two Face. Yes, he did. He did become Henry <laughs> another Two-Face. another Dark Knight <laughs> reference. It
1: was the wrong side, though. Yeah, it was. Um, but when Ethan was on the rock and he spun around, yeah, uh, I I really wanted him to hit that music from Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> but <laughs> the the, the, the music in Mission Impossible Two is crap. It's
0: that weird. Oh, oh yeah, it's terrible. But yeah. uh, but
1: it, that's it was the it was the perfect scene for yeah. all of a sudden because he had killed the bad guy. I, they hadn't done it or uh, disarm the bombs yet, but it, it was perfect him on the side of a cliff. Right. You know, he had to now climb up to the top and just, just a little throwback <laughs> to really crappy music. But I didn't I didn't think he was going to do the cross. I actually thought that he was going
0: to do, because like before that in the movie, one of the famous ones in Mission Impossible 2 is he like leaps from he, he, one rock to another. Yeah. I thought they were going to maybe have him do that as like a nod, because I had felt like they were trying to nod to other movies in the series, so I thought maybe they could get away with a leap. I thought the like Christ pose
1: would be a little too much like on the nose, but... Well, and it was right of them to skip two <laughs> yeah, right. as but as I did, my, per my recommendation. <laughs> I did think
0: him on the edge of the cliff was a nod to MI2. I mean – Tim Rock climbing? Yeah. I thought that, that was – could a, be. So, I mean, needless to say, right, They nobody dies. They stop the bombs at the last second. They try, they fake you out again though, or at least they try to (laughs) fake you out because as the the bright light, yeah, because they say, okay, we're going to count on, we're going to cut the wires on one because they have no idea that Ethan has or hasn't taken the key out because they have no communications right? and there's no way for them to know. So they're just saying, Hey, we're going to cut when the timer gets to one and we'll, Ethan will do it. He'll get us there. So it shows them cutting to one and then it cuts to Ethan who's far away and it shows like a blaring sun in the background, which right. you can't tell it's the sun. It, you think It's a mushroom it, cloud. Yeah, you think it's the nuke going off. And it actually got me for Nukes the second... Yeah, the- <laughs> it actually got me for the second time. I was like, no way. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like I fully got it, but, and again... Another this Dark Knight Rises reference, although the bomb does actually go off. That in is that an one. actual bomb. But you think that Bruce died in that one. And so in this one you think that, oh, if the bomb went
1: off, then everybody else did died. Did anybody actually think Bruce died in that? I case.
0: actually thought they did. They I, kill
1: off Batman.
0: I genuinely thought that because Christopher Nolan was wrapping up his franchise and they had uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt clearly setting up to come up as a replacement. I genuinely thought like... He would be the guy that would do it. This is the end of my series. This is the end of my franchise. Bruce is is no more in this. And they didn't do it. But <laughs> chicken out. That was one of my complaints about this movie. It was like there's I mean, Mission Impossible is full of normal fake outs with like twists and stuff, but like the the uh the opening was a fake out because it's like him and his wife, which you knew it kinda was because it's the bad guys that uh the minister. The minister at the yeah. wedding and then the bomb goes off. But then you've got the one you talked about where they're doing the heist and he shoots the hook well, he thinks he's yeah. gonna shoot the cop and it's right. not. He wakes up. Then you've got the fake out at the end with a nuclear bomb. I think there's even one more. But yeah. it's just like I'm used to normal mission impossible fake outs. I'm not used to like the like oh got you. Filmography again. Fake yeah. outs. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, I, that that was one thing that was a, a bit much for me. But my really the only thing I didn't care for in this movie. I shouldn't say I didn't care for her that I had a slight problem with was like I said, the helicopter scene, it was just kind of edited weird. And then I thought the, after they crashed, just the constant one upping of falling down the hill and then falling in a, between a,
1: you know, two Two mountains, two (laughs) mountains,
0: I guess. And then the hook catching twice. It was just, it was just all like a series of one ups that I just thought was, was a bit much. Yeah. I agree. Oh man. I don't know about you. I, I feel kind of gassed after trying to get through. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> get through all of that, but it's it's a really fun movie. All right, so let's go ahead and try and wrap this up because right. I'm just as exhausted now as when I got done uh, leaving the theater about it. So, <laughs> uh, what did you what'd you rate it and why?
1: I gave it a four. I gave it a four. Um, I think it had a a lot of potential. Uh, I thought it did a lot of things well, but I also thought it was pretty predictable, and so it didn't it didn't jump out as uh, Plot-wise, anything new or exciting. And so that's that's why it came in at a four. What was your favorite moment? Favorite moment was the bathroom fight scene with uh, with Henry. Yeah, and, I figured uh, it would be a Henry like, scene. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> What's one thing you would change? I would have kept Cavill in the CIA. I would have kept him good. Uh, he could have been conflicting along the way, but, but kept him at least on a clear path. It just... I thought that fit really well, and d- didn't like the turn. Theater or couch? I think you see it in a in a theater for sure. It's definitely visually stimulating.
0: Uh, pay for it or wait for free?
1: This, this one's worth paying for. I'd uh, uh, yeah, it's it's your your summer blockbuster for the last three months, I guess. Popcorn movie or art house film? This is a popcorn movie. Oscar or Razzie? Uh, Oscar. Yeah, I, I'd say it's a it's definitely definitely could get something sure
0: uh, along those lines if you liked blink you would like this movie
1: i gotta go with with rogue nation uh, it's better than rogue nation so if you liked rogue nation you're definitely gonna like this um mm-hmm. uh, and so that that's gotta be my my go-to yeah again i hate doing <laughs> yeah prequels I mean, franchise but, movies make sense yeah but it, it's definitely better than that sure and so really i really think it's better than uh Ghost Protocol and and Rogue Nation. So it's so you haven't done a rewatch, but going off of memory, is the, going off memory. I I remember enjoying this more. Do you think it's the best Mission Impossible movie? Without putting it over the first one, it's just a different movie than the first one. Was, and they changed the whole feel from three on? It definitely could be, but I really like the first one. Yeah, so it could easily be number two. Yeah,
0: the first one I will say on a rewatch, it's not as good as I remember it being growing up and liking it, but it's still a solid movie. It definitely has a different feel from everything else that, that comes after it. Even yeah, it's the, a slow. I will movie. say 6 is more close to 1 than I think any of the other movies. And 3 is really the one that set things on a different course. I mean, it really course corrected after 2, so it, it's... <laughs> 1, 3, and 6 are my definite favorites, but 3 is just an... I just need to watch 3. It's got some bad CGI and some weird parts and stuff like that, but
1: i need to watch three again i can i can forgive 20 years ago (laughs) sure was it that long ago uh 15 years ago wait which one three uh yeah i don't know yeah because we said two is 98 or 2000 it was 2000
0: 2000. yeah i feel like three was like 2006 maybe okay something like that
1: ish yeah ish all right so what'd you give it i gave it a
0: four and a half Wow, I know. I uh, I was at a four when I walked out of the movie theater. I definitely really liked it. It was no lower than a four. I never once considered it to be a three and a half. But the more I thought about it, the more I just I really thought it was really well made. I mean, I think I enjoyed it closer to a four level, but I really thought it was so well made that it deserved a four and a half. I again, I, I kind of do this when I walk out of a movie, I have an initial reaction. And then I start to think about other movies that are kind of in the same vein. So I, I mentioned I did this with like a horror movie, Hereditary, that I saw a while mm-hmm. back where I was like, eh, you know, it was okay. But then you start to think about the other horror movies and you're like, okay, this one was definitely better than those. And that's how I felt about Mission Impossible Fallout when I saw it. And I started thinking about all the other action movies that I go see these days that are just chalk filled with CGI. It's CGI everywhere. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but it's still all CGI. And this wasn't that. This was so practical, and I harp on that all the time, how much I love practical effects. You know it's one of the reasons why I say that I love Christopher Nolan so much, because you typically can't tell where he's doing CGI, whether it's Inception or Dark Knight. It all feels very real. And so I wanted to—I feel like this movie deserved that credit for, you know, the fact that it pulled off such great stunts and filmed in such a great way. So, four and a half.
1: Got a half-star bump there.
0: It did, because it was made well.
1: I think it deserved it. And the one thing you would change— figure forgot my favorite moment. I'm not there yet.
0: Why, why are you jumping to one thing I would change? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one thing I would change. Yeah. Um, I actually would have made Ethan lose somebody. He he doesn't lose people. I mean, he's lost his wife, but that was to protect her. Nobody, nobody hardly ever dies. Alec Baldwin doesn't count in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> speaking of The Dark Knight, I mean, that's the one thing that kind of set it apart. I mean, Bruce lost Rachel in that movie. Courtesy of the Joker. So if if Solomon Lane could have actually taken something from Ethan, whether it be Benji or Luther or his wife or Ilsa, get Ethan to that really really low point. I would have liked that. If Maggie Gyllenhaal was in this, (laughs) I would have (laughs) gladly removed her. So what was your favorite moment? Um, The whole like twenty minute set piece of the heist with the motorcycle chase, with the jumping off the roofs, through the boat escape, like all of that was uh fantastic i was just sitting there watching it and being like this is is this ever going to end this is like 20 straight minutes of action and really well done so i i love that so did you see it in a theater or couch theater and i kind of wish i had either imaxed it or grand screened it because i think they filmed some of it for that and should enjoy it
1: in the biggest scale possible and so i'm guessing you'd pay for that yes you should pay for you should go watch it and popcorn movie and art house film.
0: <laughs> I said it's gourmet popcorn. Gourmet yeah, <laughs> it's really good. It's not the stale popcorn. It's not the made-to-me. <laughs> you put some seasoning on it. It's delicious. It's, it's good popcorn.
1: Is it Oscar or Razzie?
0: Oscar. I think it's probably going to get some practical effects work, Oscar.
1: And if you liked blank, then you would like this.
0: So count me as one of the people that's piling on the Dark Knight bandwagon. And I say that because if you enjoy those type of set pieces, if you enjoy a reset of a franchise a little bit i mean batman begins tried to reset it but for all intents and purposes the dark knight was the one that kind of changed the batman formula and i think fallout really changes the mission impossible formula in the sense that it makes makes the movies cohesive now it's tying into things it makes Ethan very human you know there's a lot of scenes in there designed to make Ethan not feel like a superhero so you get a new take on a on your character he's being put through the ringer in ways you didn't expect before so it's a little bit about the story of the Dark Knight it's a little bit about how it changes the franchise and it's a lot about how the movie's made if you enjoyed those Like in Dark Knight Rises when Bane tears the airplane in half and gets the guys out. If you enjoy like a set piece like that, that's the kind of stuff that's in this Mission Impossible. So that's why I say it. Not because it's as good or should be held in the same regards as the Dark Knight. Got it. Wow. Wow. I felt like an impossible podcast to get through. (laughs) Fortunately, that's our task force that we're a part of. And fortunately, this podcast is about to self-destruct in five seconds. So, (laughs) As usual, catch us on Facebook, uh, rate us on the podcast stores, and leave us a review. And we'll catch you next time.